0: Another episode of the Piano Pod. I am Yukimi song. I'm Clara John. For anyone listening or watching our show for the first time, welcome. Clara and I are both classical pianists and piano teachers from New York City. This podcast is for anyone who plays the piano for fun, loves listening to piano music, or for someone who is currently pursuing a career in piano or works in the p- industry professionally.
1: In each episode, we interview a guest speaker who has been breaking exciting new ground in the music industry. Before getting started, we want to thank our amazing fans and listeners for tuning in. Please read our show and review it on Apple Podcasts because every reading review will help people find our show.
0: Today, a unique piano saxophone duo is coming to our show, Liana Heron and Thomas Giles, and Clara, I know they are from your contacts. So Mm -hmm. what an amazing, interesting combination. So how do you know them?
1: Right, yeah. Well, you can remember how careful we both were, you know, during the pandemic. And then Mm -hmm. I, you know, and I used to go to a lot of events and before the pandemic, you know, on top of, teaching everywhere too. But then during the pandemic, I kind of stopped. And then I last year, I remember took some a friend some good convincing to come for me to come to this harp concert in Midtown. And then afterward, I stayed a little bit. And then I met these two wonderful souls. And I just instantly had this very good feeling energy, you know, and we Mm -hmm. kept in touch. And this year, they released uh, this uh, video and uh, I was showing to you were like, Oh, incredible
0: musicians
1: right yeah and
0: then yeah so i can't really wait to interview them and hear their story looks like they're here so let's get the show started let's go you are listening to the piano pod where we talk to the brightest minds in the industry about how they are bringing the piano into the 21st century We're honored to welcome our guests of
1: Season 3, Episode 7, Liana Heron, Thomas Giles, piano saxophone duo. Let me start by introducing Liana first. A Georgian-American pianist Dr. Liana Horan is a bold performer, recognized for her passionate and striking interpretations of contemporary classical music. She was appeared at leading venues, including Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center, the New York Center and the United Nations. A champion of contemporary music, Liana cultivates diverse collaborations, including her work with as a Vesna Duo with percussionist Dr. Kaisinia Kolenovich which earned rave reviews at the 2022 Chamber Music America conference. Their recording of Stravinsky's Rite of Spring for Marimba and Piano, arranged by Kolenovich was hailed as smashingly effective by Pazer Prize winning music critic Tim Page from The Wall Street Journal. Of course, later, we will hear about Liana's exciting collaboration with Thomas on their latest album, Mysterious of the Macapli. Liana is also a dedicated educator. She is currently a faculty member of the School of Music at 92nd Y, where she shares her passion with a wide array of students through applied music lessons, group lessons. She's also an in-demand clinician holding master classes and workshops at universities around the United States.
0: So now it's my turn. Let me introduce another guest of this episode. Dr. Thomas Giles, he works at the intersection of contemporary performance, improvisation, and interdisciplinary collaborations as a saxophonist and multi-instrumentalist. He has premiered more than 200 new works, many of which were dedicated to him and collaborated with some of today's leading composers. Thomas has performed with renowned orchestras, including the London Royal Opera Company, New York City Opera Orchestra, and New World Symphony, and he has appeared in the world-class concert venues and festivals such as Carnegie Hall, Jazz at Lincoln Center, Bachfest Leipzig, and Heidelberg Culture Centrum, and more. As the recipient of one-year collaborative residency with Dance Theater Reality, Thomas was invited to co-create a large-scale interdisciplinary work during the 2018-2019 season. The premiere of his work with the director co-creator Lauren Lovney. Thoughts and prayers won overwhelming praise in a two week run off Broadway. In addition to composing the music for the show, he performed a demanding solo role in the role production, which included acting, choreography, and virtual sick playing. Thomas is also a passionate educator. He is on the faculty roster at the Aaron Copeland School of Music, Queens College, and gives master classes at higher ed institutions across the United States and Europe.
1: Well, so Liana and Thomas, welcome <laughs> to our show. Finally, oh my yeah, God, thank welcome! You so much
2: for thank,
3: you. Us. thank you, thank you, thank
2: <laughs> you. Really been looking forward to. Yeah, it it's so a amazing. pleasure. Yeah.
1: When I met you guys at that party, I think that was the very first time I've been to a a live event ever since the pandemic started. Oh right. really? Oh, oh how my special! Goodness. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you know, it's sometimes this fate, right? Life is like yeah. that. And we following you guys. And it sounds like you guys be been following our journey as well. Absolutely.
3: Yep. Yes. yes <laughs>
1: thank you. And uh, where are you? You, I, I heard you are back from tour, uh, Liana already. Mm-hmm. And you're back in Brooklyn.
3: Yes, I'm here for a few days and I'm heading back out um, next week to perform mm-hmm. one more concert in the masterclass mm-hmm. in Arkansas. And you wow. guys are
1: all in Brooklyn. I, I feel so left Yeah, out Brooklyn Club. Yay. <laughs> hey, We're a in Berg, That's yes. right. I have yeah. to come and party with you guys soon. All right. Well, before we get started, I just, you know, I won't, I'm i so curious of how your beginnings, and I'm sure I asked a lot of questions when I first met you guys. I was so intrigued by your duo. Actually, saxophone is the only other instrument I've tried to play after the piano. Oh, really? <laughs> awesome. I played in a zoo wow, band wonderful. in the conducting class. <laughs> so hard, but you know, it was fun. <laughs> so uh, Liana, I, I, I know you're originally from Georgia, right? Yes, and, Republic uh, of Georgia, right? Republic of Georgia. Yeah, I saw beautiful photos Not the in state the summer. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Another <laughs> state, actually the country. And uh yeah, how was your um and the, for both of you and I believe Thomas, you said you're from Colorado, if I don't remember correctly. Colorado, yes. How did you guys uh well the story? How did you guys make the story? Yeah. Uh
3: so I've been performing with my friend Ksenia Komlenovich uh for Marnben piano do and she told me listen i have this incredible friend he's the most talented person i've ever met and he's crazy he's always playing 5500 concerts a day you have to meet him and he happens to be looking for a pianist also, so i'm going to connect you so i was already intrigued who is this person so we started talking Thomas and i and it turns out we only live one stop away from each other i mean this is crazy in the entire it new york for a reason right <laughs> we yep. just happen to be almost neighbors So I remember the first time meeting Thomas and if you met Thomas enough, he's a very tall man. (laughs) That's (laughs) right. I remember that. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you already have this picture of this basically not a real person because he's done so much and he's so accomplished and so talented. And then you meet him and you just get so intimidated. So I was so intimidated by him right away. We clicked instantly on the level that we just wanted to play crazy music. We didn't want to just play for the sake of play. <laughs> we wanted to make bold statements. And on that, we instantly clicked and the sparks were everywhere. Friend sparks. <laughs> we're both happily in relationship. So um, so we instantly connected on that. And then we started emailing after that, you know, just kind of shopping around for pieces. And I sent him a uh, of the Macabre trumpet and piano version. I've been Ooh. looking for someone to play it with me. And everyone has been running away from me every time I would approach. With <laughs> and, 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 and I pieces. thought... Maybe he will not. Maybe maybe he's gonna be the one that doesn't right away run away yeah. if I say this. So I email him this title and I get immediate response in all caps. Oh my gosh, where did you find this? <laughs> and that was it.
2: I think, I think my history. exact words were, "This exists," because <laughs> of course I knew the the very famous Simon Rattle London Symphony Barbara Hannigan video that had come out some some years ago. Uh but I hadn't imagined that there would A, be a reduction, B, Mm -hmm. that it was already written for B-flat trumpet, which works perfectly for soprano saxophone.
3: Mm. Uh, And honestly, the rest is history. And I will say that I have never met anyone this gifted in a combination with being a hard worker as Mm -hmm. Thomas is. Really. Mm -hmm. I mean, he gives it all. I don't. (laughs) I just kind of... (laughs) At some point, I just I just went okay. Now I want to be a mom. I have a kid. I want to be a mom. I want to do this. I want to do that. I, want I had cook. no idea. have yeah. wow. Yeah, a four-year-old, shout out to all the women. We can do it all, by the way. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. But yeah, Uncle Thomas. Uh, <laughs> Uncle
1: Thomas. <laughs> but That's yeah, so it, it's been
3: it's been a pleasure collaborating with Thomas and Thomas would come over and we would rehearse at home. And it became such a family project because my husband Mm -hmm. produced it and we released on our record label and, uh, and Thomas is very
2: accomplished, very accomplished uh, recording engineer.
3: Right. Oh, he has a couple so of Grammys, beautiful. by the way.
2: And um <laughs> wow.
3: and Thomas's girlfriend wow. created the image for the album. She did the photo shoot and design and everything. So it became such a family thing yeah. that it was an in-house project. And we just then built around that piece we built on the rest of the album and honestly it just happened all like this we met yeah. and all of a sudden we boom we planned the album a month later we went into the recording studio and did the whole thing memorized <laughs> that's wow. the one that we saw recently right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes we yeah. learned it in a month uh- We'll that is so beautiful. Month. Wow, thank you
1: so much for sharing that beautiful so story.
0: So
3: that's
0: my I, I, my side of that. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. right. right. So Thomas, Thomas, what's what's your story then? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So story. um it's it's funny our our triangle with Xenia uh, that she's a mm-hmm. very old friend of mine. one of my oldest friends. We met in 2011, mm-hmm. I believe. So, wow. uh you mm-hmm. know, going on 12 years of, of friendship, she uh we were doing our masters together in Illinois and transcendental, magical, mm. wholly convicted performer. I mean, every chance I get to, to see her play is, is just a wonderful experience, um, mm-hmm. always very memorable. And she originally approached me after band rehearsal saying, hey, we should play together um, <laughs> all those years ago. And then we became very, very good friends, mm. but we didn't end up playing together until very recently, actually. Uh, so all while we were in school, we were, we were best buds, but we actually never ended up playing together. There's, as you can imagine, uh, you know, classical saxophone repertoire is, is quite small as is, but right. saxophone and marimba is even smaller. <laughs> so uh, mm. it wasn't until more, more recently we started working together, but I eventually moved to Florida and did my, my doctorate at, at FSU. Senya moved to Miami to do her doctorate at, at university of Miami, which is also where, where Liana went. And, mm-hmm. uh, I right. actually drove down to Miami to help Senia move into her apartment. So, you know, oh, wow. very, very good That's friends. Very, you know, is, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I moved to New York about six and a half years ago and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd heard whispers that there was a, a dear friend of Xenia's that lived in New York. Um, mm-hmm. and they put this project together right of spring, Fesna Duo, mm-hmm. over the pandemic, mm-hmm. and uh, they were going to do the New York premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to go to that. I think it was in, I think it was in late September, twenty twenty one. So we met like the last week of September, and you know, got coffee a couple, a couple days later, and we're chatting. And we set up a reading date and went through some, some traditional repertoire, and then she sent me the Ligeti And she was mentioning, you know, this is the this is piece that has scared off many a collaborator. And I, too, <laughs> had one of those. The, the and Theme and Variations is a piece mm-hmm. that I had tried to play with seven or eight different pianists, and they'd all just eventually given up and, and run off. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think we, we just really wanted to play music that required a lot of investment. And it was the first time since leaving school that I'd really been able to have like weekly rehearsals. We were rehearsing twice a week for for three hours a day, the six hours of rehearsal every every week together and really forming an ensemble and forming, you know, a way of working and a way of communicating and speaking. And um, you know, this is such like a, a really, really treasure, it's such such a rare thing as a professional. So i mean it it came together quite quickly as as you can imagine when you have professionals that are used to working and you know you have one rehearsal <laughs> um, so yep. it was a, it was a month later that we had our first uh two or three concerts around halloween and then we went into the studio and recorded the first week of november uh we recorded the entire one hour album in two recording sessions on on two different days um so it was it was very quick and very easy <laughs> i mean Liana is a machine. Likewise, look who's talking.
1: How did you guys um, grow up? Like, uh, yeah. You grew up from a musical family or it was just one second you were clicked and you're like, I'm going to be a
2: musician.
1: (laughs) So, Thomas, why did you start first?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in a very musical family. My parents actually met playing in a rock band in college. So my mom grew up playing flute and piano. So I grew up, you know, uh, some of my earliest memories are like sit laying under my mom's grand piano while she was like playing Chopin and Bach and Grieg and wow. uh, Beethoven. Mm-hmm. So I you know very vivid memories of uh kind of growing up with classical music all around. And then my dad was a rock drummer. <laughs> so I remember, <laughs> you know, wow. going to his his gigs and you know he would get off the bandstand and uh, give me a really like sweaty hug afterwards. And <laughs> you know forget <laughs> <laughs> that as like a three year old or whatever, like, oh <laughs> dad's sweaty. <laughs> and then you know I I, I would schlep around the, the drum equipment with him and uh I guess I just never had a chance I was gonna become a musician so mm-hmm. I have uh I have three siblings and they're all musical to some extent they all sing my brother uh you know writes songs that sort of thing but then uh I decided I wanted to do it professional and do it, do it professionally and do it full time so I grew up improvising and and uh kind of playing all mm-hmm. different kinds of music I, I started on saxophone and then I moved to bass guitar and mm-hmm. I played in some some bands in high school. Um, but then I, I sort of came back to saxophone and, and fell in love with with classical saxophone specifically. You know, there's, there's just such a, it's kind of an underdog story, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah, know, the saxophone well. was invented in the 1840s, mm-hmm. um, the very early 1840s. So mm-hmm you know, Chopin was alive and well, uh, Schumann mm-hmm. was around, you know, you have that mm-hmm. like mid romantic period, but mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it really didn't leave Paris much. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's some, some Bizet, there's some, uh, you know, some, some mid-level romantic composers that from around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really kind of got the the short end of the stick. It just missed the boat on being incorporated into the orchestra. And then of course because it was invented it didn't evolve over time there there really weren't many people that could play it at a super Mm -hmm. high level so then the composers weren't weren't you know inspired to write for it um so it had this long 80 year history before jazz ever came around and it was originally conceived as this super instrument that could meld you know the 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 blend of the strings and the Mm -hmm. fluidity of the woodwinds and the power of the brass and Mm -hmm. um it was really created to to do that but it Mm -hmm. uh in some ways still hasn't gotten its its full chance. So I think I was enchanted with that story and just the music itself really spoke Mm. to me. I've always been comfortable improvising, but uh, I I don't know why I just, you know, jazz wasn't the direction I wanted to go in. So Mm. I I was very lucky to have just an excellent teacher in high school, Mm. Um, really changed my life. He was um, a retired Air Force uh, band saxophonist and a classical player. Wow. And, uh, you know, turn, turn me on to jazz, and I did that as well. I, I did mm-hmm. jazz all the way through my master's degree, um, but I, I don't know why. I just, I, I really liked playing classical music and notated music. That's amazing. Good um, choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I ended up going to Interlochen and studying Mm -hmm. with uh, Tim McAllister, who's a- Oh, nice.
0: Interlochen. Mm -hmm. World-class
2: classical saxophonist. And then I did my undergraduate at the University of uh, Southern Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Um, And I chose to go there because there was a student of Sigurd Rascher. Sigurd Rascher is our, you know, Yasha Heifetz of the 20th century. Uh, for classical saxophone, sort of the, the grand wow. founding father, uh, all of our big concertos are written for him. And so I, I went to go study with a student of his, and I ended up studying with three students of his throughout my education. Um, in my doctorate, I studied with Patrick Nien, who's another big proponent of that 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 tradition. And then I actually went to Germany and studied with his daughter, Karina Rasher, who was a, a child prodigy, a founding mm. soprano chair of the Rasher Quartet, which is the full-time saxophone quartet in history. She played with them for thirty something years, and she she she's you know a concert saxophonist that only played. It didn't really have much of a, a university a academic track in, in terms of teaching. So I met her playing at a festival in Scotland, and we we hit it off, and I emailed with her for about a year, and eventually she invited me to come over and study privately with her. So. I spent a summer um, in the south part of Germany. I would have a three-hour lesson with her every other day for three months. Wow! Um, oh my goodness! So it's the equivalent a of a degree. It's not my Oh
4: my, goodness. Yes.
1: Oh my That's god! I would,
2: go, I would go over, and we would have lunch, and then you know around noon, and then she would take a nap. Um, and I would, you know, she's like, go, go and rifle through my thing. She has like all the original handwritten manuscripts from her father and all of the, every program from the sixties until now of the, the Rasher Quartet, these original scores by, by Glazunov and Hennemith and like all of these, these big pieces, she has like the originals in her house, Sorry. you know, first time recording. So I just got a real education. Yeah. And then at yeah. three o'clock we would start our lesson. We'd go till six and then I would have dinner and then uh, go home and practice all the next day and do it again. Wow, yeah, that is so beautiful. Yeah. Very and European, she's, it's she's, also so unique yeah, to do something
3: like this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh, after that, I, I went to FSU, Florida State, and I did my, my doctorate there, and I was the last doctoral student with uh, Professor Mian before he retired, um, mm-hmm. so I, I was very lucky, um, and then I I moved to New York, I've kind of been here ever since.
3: Well, we are lucky to have you here. <laughs> indeed, indeed. there's no right. one like you, Thomas. Hundred percent, really.
2: Yeah. There's no one like you.
3: We need more. I mean, just anyway. we need more Thomases, yes. <laughs> we need, yeah, and the positive yeah.
1: souls in our mm-hmm, professions mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. deeply just, care. Uh, like keep on going. Just keep on yeah. going. You know. Yeah. So, absolutely. Liana. Yeah. What is? Uh, <laughs> uh, how did you? Well, wh- yeah. Tell us how. Wh- when did you move to the states? And uh, I assume you started in
3: Georgia. Yes, I, I went, well, I grew up also in a music household. My dad is also mm. a drummer, so I can see why we clicked. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah that's he, he still tours to this day. It's actually oh, wow. interesting. He's almost 70 and is still traveling. Just went to perform in China with a big band and all that. <gasps> <That's> yeah. <incredible. laughs> Send me a picture from the Great Wall. I'm like, okay, you're doing oh well. Oh my gosh, he's like um, touring my hometown. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I won't um, go. <laughs> Well, uh, my dad was a musician, but also Georgia is a very—I mean, every culture is musical, but in in our culture, is very common. No matter what you do, you would be perform. You would be playing some form of instrument just for fun, as a, as a host. When you're hosting guests, you would play guitar or piano or something, and then everyone sings in multiple voices. These folk songs, so it's kind of all around you. But from the start, I loved the way piano or pianists looked playing it it was a very physical instrument Mm. and it looked I I like to say the word delicious a lot (laughs) and it has to do with playing piano it just felt good kind of Mm. the whole physical aesthetic of playing piano I was really drawn to it but I really wasn't in love with jazz or classical to be honest with you I really loved film music that's what Mm. really drew me but I understood that in order for me to be really good at my uh, skill, I had to go to a classical music school. And and very much like in most European countries, you have uh, a centralized music school where you go from grade one through all, all of the grades of school equivalent to high school. And by the time you finish that, you are considered a professional musician because everything is super mm-hmm. intense there. You have, like Thomas described, very much similar to my piano lessons with my teacher. She could call anytime and be like, tomorrow, I have a three-hour gap, show up and you better be ready. <laughs> Uh, So a couple of times a week, you would have um, two, three hour lessons, but uh, Clara, like you said, uh, like most classical musicians, by the time I was done with that school, I was burnt out and Mm -hmm. I just, I just needed a break from classical music, but uh, I got into Juilliard. I got got into San Francisco Conservatory and University of Miami. And I did the radical thing, but it, it was very much consistent with my personality. I wanted things my way. I knew that if I went (laughs) to New York and studied at a very respected classical school, I would already be burnt out. Mm -hmm. And I honestly don't even know if it's my thing. I I think there are phenomenal musicians in the world that do a great job at that. My thing is something different. It's more Mm -hmm. contemporary, more of a blend of scramble of my own things. And so I chose University of Miami because it's known for Contemporary, jazz, um, folk, ethnic, anything you want. Mm. So I went there and I studied with so many incredible teachers that were in jazz arranging or percussion. I took percussion lessons. Um, I've played so many untraditional things. Like for example, one of my pieces on my doctoral recital was table music for three people where you sit at the table and the table is mic'd and you play and the entire score is actually a completely different language. It's like a new mm. alphabet you have to learn of notation. So things like that. And I love that. That was my thing. So mm-hmm. as soon as my DMA was done, I packed whatever fit into my tiny Toyota Corolla and mm-hmm. I drove up to New York and I thought, okay, I, I don't really have any lids, but I'm going to make it again. I'm going to make it my own way. <laughs> mm-hmm. wow. Um Got to New York. And at first I didn't really have any music jobs, but I'm um, you know i am easily motivated person in general i don't kind of get scared when things don't pan out i love i love starting over anyway mm-hmm. and um long story short just a year later i was already a music director of manhattan girls chorus mm. who performed with zubin meta at carnegie and leon botstein american symphony orchestra mm-hmm.
0: and it actually one steam. of my students was part of it uh, two of my students the, the oh, choir wow. yeah yeah yeah. It's i a, probably a... know them because i've been there for
3: five years okay
0: okay oh wow
3: yeah 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 and it was incredible we did concerts mm-hmm. with sting and steven tyler so yeah, typical yeah. new york story you know you get mm-hmm. here and so long as you don't give up on your dream things happen out of nowhere <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah here i am i
0: i really want love
3: i love my path and mm-hmm. it's not easy but it's my mm-hmm. own way
0: Yeah, yeah. And then this city allows
3: us to do that, you know, it's just,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: This episode is presented in collaboration with our good friends at Forte, a free alternative to Zoom purpose built for music
0: teachers. We are happy to announce that Forte will always be free for music teachers. No strings attached.
1: That's right. Forte offers features optimized for classical music lessons, including audio quality, far superior to existing platforms, and allowing you to hear every nuance of your students' instrument. Their colleagues at the Royal College of Music, Aspen Music Festival, Curtis Institute, and Berklee College of Music have even used Forte in their own programs.
0: Forte's mission is to radically expand access to high quality music education worldwide. Forte always puts teachers and their students first. This means you can use Forte with your own students for free forever. And Forte will soon introduce paid features allowing you to connect with new students around the world. Sign
1: up for free today at fortelessons.com. That is F O R T E L E S S O N S.com or click in the link in the description.
0: Let's continue with the episode. I want to know more about each of you, your solo cup career before we start talking yeah. about your collaboration. So Thomas, let's start with you. So I didn't realize about the history of saxophone. I, I yeah. really appreciate you explaining. And you know, yeah. saxophone is a very interesting, like a versatile instrument and there's still a new-ish instrument, you know, in the mm-hmm. classical music world. And uh, you mentioned you really wanted to focus on contemporary, but do you have any, just a little bit of uh, experience with like a jazz or pop playing?
2: occasionally you know get called to sub in a big band or uh you know i i i um i, I think those things have come up along the way but it's just really not been a, a pursuit um my when I, around the time when I, I met xenia back in illinois in um 2012 that was the summer between the two years of my master's degree, I, I, as I mentioned, I went to this festival in Scotland. I met Karina Rasher and met mm-hmm. Patrick Meehan, my, my teacher at my DMA, mm-hmm. uh, many people that would become very, very instrumental, instrumental in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but also that summer I was uh, asked to join a very fine saxophone quartet called the Mona quartet, uh, mm-hmm. that is, has for many years been based in San Francisco. So that was a very, very important part of my, my career. I was with them for ten years, and they were already up and running by the time I, I was asked to join. So they started in two thousand seven, and they were the first saxophone quartet to win Coleman, Fishhoff, MTA, all these big chamber music competitions, and you know held residencies at major music festivals in uh, in Colorado, all over all over the the country. So they were all about ten years older than me. So I was the, mm-hmm. the baby at the group. I got asked to join when I had uh, just turned. 21 wow, um so young and you know quite a quite a uh stroke of luck to have someone show you the ropes you know and mm-hmm. be in a professional right. chamber group you know touring all the time uh during my doctorate there was uh, a year that we were on the road for six months out of the year um oh you know, going to europe and so i mean that was that was an incredibly big part of my my career yeah but in terms of solo stuff you know i um that group plays on speaking of the 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 early part of the saxophones history, they play on vintage instruments Mm. that are created, that were uh, American made, but were the last saxophones to be made according to the original specifications of Adolf Sax's patent letter. Uh, And they actually have a very different sound than than modern saxophones where they're Mm. very velvety and warm and they blend nicely together and they're (sighs) perfect for chamber music. So, Mm. um, you know, so I, and that, that was, sort of part of the, the Sigurd Rasher tradition uh, mm. is playing on those instruments. Uh, that was what he advocated for. And so you know I did a lot of solo stuff specifically exploring how that older mm. instrument would work in contemporary music wow. uh, for a really long now, time.
0: As a saxophonist, do you play from soprano saxophones to like, everything? in that family? Yeah, I do.
2: Wow. Yeah. So wow. I Every actually, <laughs> I, in
0: my,
2: in my apartment, I have 13 instruments. Oh <laughs> I, I'm... In college, I, I also got into doubling. So I uh, play flute and clarinet also professionally. Uh, I've done a good bit of uh, pit work, studio work, playing on films, that kind of thing, uh, mm. improvising. So wow. I have. Uh, <laughs> piccolo flute alto flute clarinet bass clarinet and then <laughs> soprano alto tenor baritone saxophone okay. and i play them i play them all I just wow. did uh a philip glass opera a, a mm-hmm. mini week run in san francisco and i was playing flute i was playing uh wow, flute and piccolo crazy. For, the, for the book um before the pandemic i was playing on uh i was studying on filler on the roof it was also a flute book you know it um huh. You know most of my students right now are clarinet students you know oh my god uh, so i really enjoy wearing all kinds of mm. different hats yeah. um, wow this
3: is really 120
0: years old <laughs> <laughs> okay okay it makes sense yeah, so, yeah, yeah a lot of time. So, wow. so so speaking of that you know like you already have so much you to offer but also you collaborated with this dance uh, company mm. yeah. uh, a couple of years ago before pandemic i guess and yeah. then you also not only composed but also you collaborated with them with the acting and choreography yeah. and tell us a little bit more about that
2: yeah i mean i think this is something liana and i have like deeply in common mm-hmm. where you know we both like the challenge mm-hmm. we both like to do something that we haven't done before and mm-hmm. like to do something that hasn't been done before mm-hmm. our first um,
3: question to each other is has this been recorded <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow yes. Beautiful.
2: i i met lauren and this this director in this this and she, she started her own theater company when she was in her early 20s and, you know, does things all over the world. And we made this piece sort of over over the course of a year, you know, her very much on the sidelines, pulling the strings, designing the show and having an idea of what it should be and me very much in the middle, trying to take on as many different kinds of roles in different kinds of ways as possible. Mm-hmm. So I, the, the first time I'd done any kind of choreography, I was working with a dancer. And yeah, also writing an hour's worth of music uh, right. for seven musicians. and then you know, fundraising and organizing and booking mm. a theater and doing an, an off-Broadway run. you know, it was it was a lot of work. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was uh, yeah, definitely the, the most hats I've worn in any one show. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh well that's amazing. But popular. you know, I i want my young students to hear this because it's mm-hmm. not about just about mastering the instrument, but you know, as a musician, right. especially in these d- days, like you have to really have to have the different skills, right? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. very inspiring. Thank you, Thomas. Thomas so,
2: can yeah. you
3: tell them about your silent movies as well? That's incredible. What? Oh, yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> <silent> <laughs> oh, oh God.
2: my goodness. Sorry. Just, so, uh, I have this very good friend uh, named Rasan Burke, and he's uh incredible organist. Mm. Um, and I met him very early on when I first moved to Brooklyn because three blocks away from my apartment, there was this giant Catholic church in Bed-Stuy uh, called Our Lady of Victory. And it was the, it's, I think it's the oldest African-American diocese in the country um and you know in bedside it's very historic beautiful beautiful neighborhood gorgeous church so I I just thought I'd send him an email and be like hey can we work out some sort of deal where I can I can have a practice space and maybe play for some of the services and um he was incredibly welcoming um Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I've ever had a cold call email answered with such warmth uh, he was mm-hmm. like, Absolutely, you live here. This is your home. Mm-hmm. Uh just mm-hmm. you know, he'd never met me before and just like welcomed me in. And so uh we started improvising together. Uh wow. started, he I mean, he he's one of the few people I've ever met that could improvise a fugue in real time. Mm-hmm. Just just oh like can do counterpoint. It's mean, just <laughs> oh my insane, goodness. insane level. You know, with his feet too, you know, organ. Oh, um, oh my just amazing <laughs> yeah yeah you so we, we had this idea of doing a silent film concert that halloween and i, I guess all my projects revolve around halloween we met her on halloween but, i know uh, <laughs> so we did Fan of the opera we did the old uh 1925 lon cheney original first ever film that you know about a two hour long movie mm-hmm. and you know, we got together and thought about some themes and, you know, referenced the Andrew Lloyd Weber score, mm-hmm. but, you know, pretty much just, just made it up. And I mm-hmm. pick all my instruments, um, playing like five or six instruments and in, in scoring in real time, changing things around. So this has become a tradition that we've done over the, over the last uh, five or six years. And mm-hmm. um, he's since moved to Philadelphia and has mm-hmm. a, a very nice uh, music director, parish ship down there and so I I actually just two weeks ago went down and we did the original Nosferatu the the Dracula Mm -hmm. movie which was from 1922 (laughs) it's a hundred years old oh my Um, goodness
3: did you know yeah, that they use horrible. a Georgian folk song in it in the original film?
2: <laughs> wow. I did not know that.
3: Wow! There is a scene when there is a ship is going across the Black Sea. Yeah. That's a Georgian yeah. folk song, no very way. famous wow. one too. Yeah. Wow! to <laughs> yeah. oh, Music is like
1: everywhere and all connected, right? So, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, that's funny. So, <laughs> that's Liana, it's fun. your turn. It's your turn. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, like you pack yourself in the uh, Toyota Corolla, you drove from. Florida to New York, right? I did the similar thing. I was uh, I was driving Honda Accord with a U-Haul trailer from Florida. I used to live in Florida yeah. too. So, oh my I god! I
2: drove up. I drove up in a Camry from Florida. Oh, okay.
0: okay. Oh my goodness! We all got Gosh. out of Florida.
3: That's
0: the best. <laughs> yes. Florida, That's enough. One day. yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, Liana, tell us about you. So, you mentioned just a little bit. You're growing up with a musical family, sure. and then just because the training is based on classical music in the world, not just in Georgia, your country, but also I think everywhere. So mm-hmm. you, well, it's a great, good, you know, training, obviously, obviously. yeah, incredible but, foundation, of course, exactly. But your heart was not totally into classical. You are more into different instruments and then your father is a drummer. So right. yeah, it's very interesting. So Maybe that's one of the reasons you are drawn to this uh, duo, Vesna duo with, she is a, Xenia uh, is a- but She's a percussionist. Percussionist, yeah. yeah. So I heard several recordings and then including the sh- um, uh, not Shostakovich. Stravinsky. Yes, Stravinsky's. Yes, yes. It was incredible. So tell us Thank about you. the duo.
3: I have collaborated with percussionists for over 20 years now. And um, oh, my with Ksenia, our project has been- a- really going on for two years mm-hmm. and there was also one of those that when we as soon as we got together we realized okay we really think the same way we're very similar uh, we really should collaborate and all that but prior to that i always was drawn to percussion world in general i just loved the rap and also the way percussionists perceive music i could understand that because mm-hmm. we are you know pianists and percussionists both have the same challenge where we have to create horizontal line only exclusively by playing vertically up and down right Mm -hmm. so you have to Mm -hmm. kind of so we have same challenges so we can understand how Mm -hmm. to phrase things and how complex it is Mm
2: -hmm. for example
3: playing with Thomas is a different challenge for me I constantly have to keep up with him (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you know he's got Mr. Tornado lungs and I Mm -hmm. have to kind of get there (laughs) but I you know to be honest I actually have loved working on all sorts of projects. Uh, I started touring when I was eight years old as a soloist with an orchestra in Georgia. And there was something very common. Our schools gave us incredible opportunities where you could Mm -hmm. perform as a solo concerto twice a year. There was a Mm -hmm. normal thing to do. And eventually, conductors get to know you and they build trust. So they, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes they can offer you. So I've toured with all of Mozart's Bach's and Beethoven's Concerti across Georgia with television orchestra and the symphonic orchestra. Oh so my goodness. I already had that foundation mm. and I loved how structures kind of come together, mm. but it's still your soloist. So there was kind of that, but once I got to UM University of Miami, I understood... You can do real collaborations where you mm. really come together. You're not, you know, the solo and you, everybody, everybody follow me. Mm. <laughs> I really fell in love with that. So percussion just happened to be one of the main collaborative aspects, but I've kind of liked it all. And like Thomas, mm. like we really come together on things mm. of, as you see, like we don't, Thomas and I don't play re- on a regular basis. And right. we kind of love it that way because we really he can choose, let's mm-hmm. choose that one insane thing and then give it an enormous amount of time and then release it. So we but- have kind mm-hmm. of some desires to do something in the future, but it's not born yet. So we're mm-hmm. still kind of shopping around for what's the so next.
0: What what? How do you decide to collaborate with someone else? Like, you know, you're picking an instrument, totally like a traditional combination as a pianist, you know what I mean? Collaboration, we usually think of violinist or cellist or the trio Mm -hmm. of string instrument with piano or sometimes wood with instruments and stuff like that, but that's a more traditional way. How do you choose an instrument to collaborate with? Is it the sound that you're certain way you're looking for or timber, or maybe it's the rhythm aspect of it? A great
3: question. I have a luxury uh, at the point in my life where I don't have to take everything. So I only take a few things, uh, partly because I am a parent and mm-hmm. I, I balance everything. And honestly, I, I will not complain saying that, oh, I don't have time. I'm tired all the time. No, I can really balance everything right. But I only pick and choose exactly what I want to do because once I commit to it, I, I make sure it's successful. I don't mm-hmm. do things halfway. So I have luxury of choosing my projects. The way I choose projects, Number one thing, I avoid anything that has a componist title on it. Partly because I have done my duty of doing all of that. I just don't enjoy it. I really need projects that are equal. So no, it's not about the style or or instrument. Really, it's about first personality. Hmm. Like Thomas, I, I looked at him, I was like, we got this <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so important has to be yeah, yeah
3: personality and mm-hmm. in, in the taste of music like it has mm-hmm. to be something it has to have a story if it has mm-hmm. a story let's do it yep. it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be difficult it just has to be interesting
0: wow that's that's interesting. Okay. But you know, that really shows because I enjoyed listening to both of you, but also listening to the VIS Duo, mm-hmm. you know, the the, the rite of spring, which arranged for Marimba and then piano and mm-hmm. collaboration is so good. So I Thank would you. like more of my audience to listen. It's all available on all music streaming services, right? Right. Yeah. And YouTube as well. We have oh, YouTube. Okay. We
3: have an official video where you see we are playing top to bottom memorized no, and it's a very oh exciting my- video because the cameraman actually knows the score as well as we do so he knows where all oh the interesting god. parts are he's just kind of jumping around and it's and it's then fun. it's
0: done by memory oh my god yes everything yes. is
3: done by memory wow it's more fun right thomas when you don't have to stare in the score we just yeah I mean, what do you need to-, to make oh, the memory this solid? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Listen, when you put in so much time into making mm. this work, it's already in your head anyway. Like mm. Thomas and I really enjoyed putting back the theatrical aspects of Macabre yes. in- into it. We loved it. We loved it. You yeah. get to hiss and growl at each other, and then I get to throw music at him. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Pretty fun. <laughs> Hey guys, we're now officially on Patreon. Yeah,
1: I'm so excited about our next step on this podcast journey.
0: Same here. So dear TPP fans, we love what we do and it's been an incredible journey for both of us for the last two and a half years. We're now, this is seventh, oh my gosh, episode into season three and more than ever. We need your support to continue our work by bringing you highly valuable content bi-weekly by interviewing the A-listers in the industry. So please go to patreon.com slash thepianopod and become
1: part of the TPP community by subscribing to us. With your subscription, you will receive monthly subscriber-only exclusive content from our show.
0: That's right. And once again, it's patreon.com slash thepianopod. We can't wait to connect with you on Patreon very soon during the pandemic
1: i mean i met you basically well we're technically still in pandemic right so (laughs) um but did what did you feel that did you feel like it it kind of um impacted you in any way or did you feel like it was more um you had more time or a certain benefits that It
2: it was devastating um I remember those first days in March when I the phone would not stop ringing with cancellations, just like losing thousands of dollars in bookings and things that are like years out that you've been working on and uh, just completely falling apart. Uh, I was living in Manhattan. I was in the the Upper West Side, and I had worked out four different practice spaces that I was using throughout the week. So I had a church, uh, I had a school, I had uh, this the Domino Center, I had practice rooms there, and everything fell apart. I couldn't practice, you know, and I had a lot of time to think, I had a lot of time to reassess. I had just hit my four year mark of being in the city. Um, And when I moved here, you know, I just finished a DMA, you know, I had uh, a lot of pride about being a musician, being a professional, I had ideas about what that meant. And I was sort of holding a gun to my head in, in, uh, saying I must do this. I must have this career. I must make a way. Mm. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to take any sort of side hustle. I just wanted to, just wanted to do music and I was able to do that, but you are in a position where you have to say yes to everything. You know, you have to go to the Bronx back down to like far rock away to teach a lesson. You're on the train three or four hours a day, you know, taking all kinds of gigs that I, I don't enjoy, but you know, mm-hmm. paying the bills so so that I could be a musician, you know. Right. And I decided that coming out of the pandemic, you know, one of those moments of like, please God, if I ever get out of this box, <laughs> you know, I I want to do it differently. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I I think my my mindset has just become a lot more balanced, a lot more healthy. And as a result, uh like last year was my my most successful I've ever had Mm, Um, mm, coming out of the pandemic. I I, I went, you know, I think 18 months without playing a concert. And then June 2021, finally got to play my first solo concert again. Mm -hmm. And then gigs started coming back. uh, And then gigs that I want to (laughs) play started Mm -hmm. coming back. And then, I mean, last year was just a complete whirlwind. Uh, Last spring, I was uh, teaching at SUNY Fredonia on a sabbatical placement, So I was there. I would fly to Buffalo every week. Um, And then I was also flying to other states doing concerts. We were touring our albums. We were on Mm -hmm. on the road. And Mm -hmm. more than anything, the pandemic completely changed my mindset. Right forced me to think about what is most important and that I want to do the things that I love and that that's not really quantifiable in, in you know, I think worrying about being a real musician and doing things full time in, in, in any, like, it, it looks different for all of us, you know, of course. Um, especially as a saxophonist, it looks very different for me. So uh, I think the kind of work that I did really changed.
1: Liana, how was your experience? And I know, like, because I'm so... I have a good memory, but not with music. So I'm always so (laughs) inspired or intrigued. How, how can you memorize these crazy, crazy look sounding, you know, (laughs) duo music or chamber music? And so did you feel like you had more time to to uh, practice and you have a four-year-old baby so the baby was just one year old he was two years old he was two okay but we've started what was your experience then
3: um i mean it was uh terrifying uncertain especially as a parent you feel like Mm. you've got to do everything to first protect your child and then we're in a situation where you don't even know where the danger is right. coming from. It's, we don't understand. Is it in the air? Is it what do we touch? And you know, how we all been through washing our apples with soap. <laughs> so it, it was all a little bit uncertain. But uh, like Thomas said, first shock was, oh, so many things are getting canceled. The first time Xenia and I were supposed to perform was at Carnegie in April of 2020 and in March. Oh my God. But it all hit. That was a big one because uh, mm, yeah. it was my coming back from maternity leave. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Big comeback and nope, (laughs) go back home. (laughs) Uh, But on the parenting side, it was, of course, the best thing because we were all home. My husband and I were full time home with our son at age two. That's really the best thing for him. In a way, it Uh, was a good thing, right? It was amazing. There are many, I mean, it's, I don't even know how to put it the right way, but there are many, at least many benefits that came out of this where I had a lot of time to dig deep and really think about what I wanted to do and um, <laughs> one of the first unique things that I was able to do was record at home where Brooklyn is so loud there is no way you can record anything but during the lockdown it was so quiet that I was actually able to record for Alina our parts by plucking my upright piano
1: Wow! so that was one
3: of the first projects I did and I purchased all the images of you know, people going through the pandemic and I put together a quick video of that. And that kind of got spiraled into projects. My, I released my first solo album during that time. I recorded all cinematic short pieces that they have nothing to do with showing off as a pianist. It's all reflective. Very... But as you
1: said, that was your passion. You started with mm-hmm. Fume. That was exactly your
3: Exactly, Amazing. yeah. So there are short pieces, just very, um, it's called Light here. The album mm-hmm. is called Light Year. It's all short pieces, basically, are very quiet and reflecting mm-hmm. on us going mm-hmm. through the uncertain times and how we all felt lonely and scared and confused. So many projects came out of that. Even the Rite of Spring was born out of that because wow. we had time. Exactly. <laughs> to take on something like that because you're not running around teaching and making you're sitting at home and thinking very deeply
1: (laughs) exactly that's beautiful wow yeah Mm -hmm. and now i am curious with the mystery of macabre and i i showed you kimi the other day when i was over in brooklyn and i was like look (laughs) at the stool. and she was like oh my god that's really cool you know and uh, how long did it take for you guys to complete this project i know you've been thinking about it from the beginning right so and memorizing it and recording it oh my god it's just like a a big big show you should have won an oscar for that
3: (laughs) thank you we are very comfortable with acting i mean thomas is i really feel like he's my little brother even dynamics that way where we sometimes kind of bicker but you know i'm eastern european and he's basically eastern european we're very honest (laughs) but it all happens with you know we respect and trust each other but we are also you know Hard work is hard work, and mm-hmm. we can be sometimes. And the dynamic is definitely like siblings, sometimes, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it really fit into. Um, Mysteries of the Macabre for the type Mm -hmm. of character. and We put it together very fast. It was insanely. It was too fast. So (laughs) fast. In a month, we assembled it Mm -hmm. and memorized it. In one month and we were already in the studio and recorded And by the time Mm -hmm. we got to the studio, we already were so comfortable. I remember even our recording engineer away at Skillman Studios Mm -hmm. was just rocking out. He's like, this is so cool, guys.
2: (laughs) It was fast, but we did have concert. We organized concerts and performed it, uh, I think, three times before we even went into the studio, which I think Mm -hmm. for me personally is always, always the way to go. Like, I recorded things without having performed them, and then I've performed things after having performed, or I've recorded things after having performed them sometimes. I mean, it's just far away, the comfort level, especially when it's from memory of just, like, having gone through the fires of playing it. In, mm-hmm. in a real concert setting it just yes. it changes the product overall
3: that first yeah. concert though let me tell you now the first <laughs> concert <laughs> that that first concert we played everything was so fresh we were so on the edge that actually the energy was just the right just yeah. the right you don't want to be too comfortable with it we're yes, like right mm-hmm. exactly.
2: nothing complacent at all it's just very <laughs> laser focused
4: yeah yeah
1: so, <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. And I, I know you guys select a project and you're not meeting every day, you know, like I was no. surprised. You're like, hey, how are you doing? It's been a while. That's no. crazy. So what is uh, your future project? What is the next project? Or do you guys like know yet?
2: Wait, nothing. Have... Nothing super certain. I mean, we've been floating things back and forth. Uh, there's, there's a few different uh, adaptations of works that we've been looking at. Um, I mean, as a saxophonist, you know, the medium of saxophone and piano is uh, so vital, mm-hmm. um, you know, going through school, you you do your, your recitals with piano, I mean, it's such a part of the vocabulary of the a, of a classical saxophonist, I'm, I'm always thinking about, you know, the next thing for, for saxophone and We all, we both of us have a lot of other projects, you know, so things in the queue, so I'm sure, I'm sure things will come up.
3: Mm. Yeah, but you know we do have separate projects apart from each other we're doing sure. our own things and right now one of the things I love collaborating with Thomas that it's always there we don't have to keep it up just for the sake of keeping on we're just waiting for the next thing of we are talking about a few projects but I assure you that whatever that next thing is is that has never been done before
0: so (laughs) um we're really close to the end of our interview sessions sadly but before we go we have just a couple of more questions so one is you as both of you are educators too so we want to really know your that perspective right it's a little different from being a performer Mm -hmm. yeah as Thomas mentioned we all have to wear so many hats and then being an educator is part of it so let's yeah start out with Thomas what's your vision of a music education Uh, what do you want your students to take Mm -hmm. away from overall from your lesson I know there are so many things that you can teach them but overall like what's the
2: core I mean many things of course I think if I really had to distill it down to to one thing I what I find most like satisfying in imparting to another student to, to student is um helping them find their own power helping them find their own voice helping them make their own decisions mm-hmm. helping them realize that uh they can do anything <laughs> um you know I ask my students to sing I ask them to improvise I ask them to play things backwards <laughs> you know wow. I, I, I want them to just have full control and to have no fear when they play to have every every time they pick up the instrument be uh, a fun experience of exp- exploration and I think that that goes you know it, it has different ap- applications at different levels um you know I uh recently started working with this this senior who's in his 70s and he's just coming back to playing after uh you know this very long career in uh, finance and business uh oh my goodness. You know, isn't
1: that the best yeah a
2: lot when he was in <laughs> i have an 83
1: year old oh, couple they're such <laughs> hard work they're the best yeah yep yep
2: mm-hmm. you know i'm so used to thinking about how can i get this student from here to here mm-hmm. and it's just not the point with someone like that they're just mm-hmm. doing it for fun and so you know adjusting my expectations to the need of the student is also something really important you know mm-hmm. um You know, sometimes students need, especially in the beginning, a lot of structure. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the the format of the lesson is we do Mm -hmm. this to warm up, we do this to work on it, we do this to close. These are your assignments. Right. Um, You know, when you get to to college, I think it it can be a lot more uh, exploratory. And I think Mm -hmm. it's more about like breaking down routines and asking bigger questions. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I could talk about it all day. I I love Mm -hmm. teaching. Um, You know, sometimes it makes me want to tear my hair out. Sometimes it is just... (laughs) Like subliminally, like human, mm. like it, it, I feel like I do the most good as a, as a human on this planet. You know, in those situations, I've had lessons that make me cry. <laughs> you know, mm. when I, it's just like, oh man, there's just nothing like that feeling of mm. seeing someone become more themselves. You know,
0: what about you, Liana? So I know I saw your website. It says clin- clinician, clinical right. work. Yeah, right. I, I'm curious right. about that. I'm gladly talking about it. I would like to add to Thomas
3: because he's a very humble person. I mm-hmm. watched him teach masterclasses during our tours in the spring, mm-hmm. and Thomas, you're just such a phenomenal educator. Mm-hmm. I really, I wish for you to just videotape all those masterclasses and put them up because people will benefit would mm-hmm. benefit so much just watching them on YouTube and learning. Mm-hmm. You're an incredible educator. You're like you are encyclopedia but also you deliver it in such an interesting way that Mm. really needs to be out there so think about it (laughs) Um, clinician yeah so I travel uh, as I perform in concerts I usually also offer master classes and depending on the audience one of the most popular clinics have been talking about musicians life after school and it's something that Mm-hmm. uh we are not taught at school where we're just taught how to be really good musicians but no like one that. really talks about what's going to happen that first year <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> when you pack your little toyota girl um, Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and get out of for it, uh? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so that kind of took on its own life and I'm just kind of uh just following the project whenever wherever it goes I've been giving uh, lectures online and this, also Mm -hmm. when visiting in person but it's also basically it's about defining understanding and defining your goal no matter what it is whether you are a musician or not it's just how do you go from having a very structured life that has been done for you at school where the coursework and recitals and rehearsals and ensembles are all baked in to all of a sudden unplugged here's your diploma and then there is nothing and on top Mm -hmm. of it you have to pay your bills right and how to get back into music. And I, I love talking about it because this is what I went through personally, myself. Mm-hmm. So it was just what, did, what worked for me and, uh, and all of that. So that's basically the clinic. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as teaching goes, one of my favorite things is actually teaching more than playing and because it's all about problem solving. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter the age, mm-hmm. doesn't matter who they want to become in life, whether mm-hmm. it's a professional musician or a chef or an or engineer, yep. mm-hmm. is understanding what's not working, why, and how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I love that process. And the, mm-hmm. when the libel goes off, when you're yes. kind of nudging them and directing them with correct questions for them to find the solution mm-hmm. and that the self-esteem that it gives them, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I love
0: mm-hmm. that. I love that. part. Teaching sometimes is so exhausting and is hard, sure. but the reward is 10 times. It's, it's so, it's so rewarding. I I really enjoy. So like, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a typical yeah.
3: Eastern you will say, what's not exhausting? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> so related to this topic. So I would like for you to give young piano students or young musicians, like upcoming uprising musicians, some advice from you guys. So Thomas, can you start from you? when I think
2: about this kind of depression, I think about, you know, myself at 17, myself at, you know, when I was first getting into music, even before that, or along the way, and it's never, um, you know, I, I think a lot about the future, I look forward, and it never, ever turns out exactly <laughs> like I think it's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, the greatest things that have come to me have not been things that I've planned. Uh, the greatest, you know, people have not been people that I, I could have ever anticipated were gonna be there. So. I think any amount of feeling you have around where you are in the moment, you have to recognize that it's just not the full picture. And if you're frustrated, probably tomorrow's going to go better. I think approaching hardship with that kind of mindset has been really—it's uh, picked me up and giving me a, a higher view, a longer view of any one thing that I'm going through. Um, so that's—I mean—that's something I, I would love to share and have people adopt. That like whatever you're struggling with, whether it's, you know, you're trying to balance having, you know, a performance career and paying your bills and what does it mean to do both those things at the same time, or whether you're sixth grade and you're still struggling with how to count a dotted quarter down, you know, (laughs) Uh, whatever the challenge is, like, it's not going to be there in a year, in Mm. five years. And and just embracing the the fact that whatever is in front of you, you just do your best and you Mm -hmm. try to grow with it um and let it roll off your back and and get on with it
3: um a couple of things so i would say no matter what age you are at, just start writing down your goals and dreams that I want to be this and I want to be that. And don't don't judge it, just write it down and date it. And then once in a while, you can revisit and see which ones you're like, for sure, I don't want to do this. Rather than saying for sure, I want to do this because you don't know it. Just start filling up your pool of ideas now so that you can weed them out later and kind of start narrowing down your goal. And really, I would say, Try everything in music before you think you don't want to do something, whether it's playing in an orchestra, ensemble, teaching, whatever it is. So try it so that you understand your goal. Consistency is everything. Quantity not is not everything, meaning you can't just sit down one day and practice nine hours and expect results. It might be actually the opposite. You might just mm-hmm. be having an unhealthy habit of practicing. Consistency every day a little bit is is. Better than nothing. So, consistency and network, network, network uh, is so crucial. Yes. Every time you meet somebody, genuinely connect because these are the people that will help you later. And also be mindful how you are because you want these people to be recommending you for whatever comes in the future Mm -hmm. to start building a network it's never too too soon I feel like very
1: important my friend had Mm -hmm. to do a lot of convincing for me to come to that concert and we met there so (laughs) and we have this show you know so sometimes it's uh, everything happens thank you friend for me (laughs) no it's great I mean we are really benefiting from this beautiful Mm -hmm. conversation thank you so much for you both of you you know for your beautiful energy your hard work and and we want to promote and before you know we go into our fun segment uh, the rapid fire um your latest album mysteries of uh, macabre uh available on all major music streaming services thomas has a new album in spring available on music streaming services youtube and his website at thomas giles socks.com. Liana's uh, third album is considered for a Grammy nomination. Oh my gosh, Uh, Vesna Duel presents the Rite of Spring. So amazing. Thank
3: you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for coming to the show. Are you guys ready for our drop and fire? All right. (laughs) game is um mm-hmm. so, so yes. one at a time or get <laughs> some fight for the answers we love mm-hmm. that <laughs> really so, mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yes this is the I time fight her. i'm, I'm a, just take
3: over i'll go don't get wanna fight her.
1: <laughs> all right i will start what is your comfort food noodles Ooh, cinnamon rolls <laughs> cool Girl. right cats or dogs dogs cats, cats. oh can okay cool what is your word or worth to live by
2: don't stop mm-hmm. <laughs> and stop always pause. do your best
0: <laughs> so what is the most important quality you look for in other people
3: good people they have to be good people first mm-hmm. no matter who they are don't mm-hmm. care how successful you are if you're not a good person don't want to deal with you life mm-hmm. is too short
2: yeah i mean i think Again, it's it's impossible to narrow down to one thing. Uh, you know, if you have, if, if I'm looking for a collaborator, you know, something that I really look for is tenacity. It's like someone that has this, for, which is perfectly embodied in Liana. There's this force of being and moving forward and wanting to make things happen at, at any cost.
1: And name three people who uh, inspire you, living or dead. I'll say
3: Charlie Chaplin, mm-hmm. uh, Chuck Berry, and Marta Garay.
0: Marta.
2: Yes. <laughs> Who accruing? wouldn't say, I mean, yeah. come on, Mark <laughs> I would say uh Martin Frost is a clarinetist that's mm. yes, oh yes, uh, oh music, yes. Oh Dutch violinist, my favorite. Yanni Jansen. You're thinking. <laughs> I am thinking. Ah uh uh, uh no thank you,
1: Dr. Giles.
2: <laughs> well, I'll just say uh Philip Glass, whose music uh-huh. I play.
0: Mm-hmm. wonderful. Name one piece in your current playlist. I don't have a playlist.
3: <laughs> Beyonce <laughs> superstar. All Beyonce. right. All right. <laughs> I
0: love that. Yeah, it's almost anything. Like, yeah. you even like uh, browsing on YouTube or whatever.
2: Glenn Gould playing the Eagle Variations. Of course. Perfect wow. answer. I'm of, co- yes, of course. Of yes. course.
0: <laughs> you get
1: only one song or one piece to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it?
3: Oliver Arnold's Particles. Mm-hmm. Icelandic song
0: this is beautiful with strings and voice. Okay.
2: Anything by Debussy.
0: (laughs) Mm. Wonderful. All right. So last question, fill in the blank, please. Music is blank. Life.
2: (laughs) Everything.
0: Everything? Everything. Great answers, both of you. Thank you. Wow.
1: Thank you so much, you
0: guys. This is so, fun. Let's keep
1: going. <laughs> for sure. but we will have to have another segment coming up mm-hmm. soon, next mm-hmm. season, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. thank you so you have much, to come guys. Back. You have to come back and uh, talk to us again. It will be a
3: pleasure. Thank you. Thank, thank you. So thank
1: you. that concludes this episode of The Piano Pod. Thank you, Liana and Thomas, for joining us today. And thank you so much for sharing your stories, your insight, your expertise. You can find more information about Liana at uh, www www.leon.polos.hiron, you, uh, you have to coach me on how to say your middle name correctly.com, and Thomas at uh, www.thomasjoysacks.com. We want to encourage our audience to check out their album, Mysteries of Macapagal, available on all streaming platforms, and all the links are listed in the description
3: below.
0: Thank you you so much for having us. Thank Thank you. Thank you you so much, you guys. Really, really, it's been a great conversation. Thank you to our wonderful audience and fans for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review it on whatever podcasting platform you use. If you're watching us on YouTube, remember to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to our channel. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. The links are in the description below if you're interested in being the guest or recommending someone to
1: be on our show as a guest or if you'd like to sponsor collaborate with us shoot us an email at the the pianopodmyc at gmail.com or send us a DM
0: via social media We will see you for the next episode of The Piano Pod Bye everyone and bye Thomas and Liana Thank you so much Thank you so much It's such a pleasure to have you. you guys
4: on